Hi, and welcome to Revolutionary Radio, a youth-driven program to equip students and adults with the information necessary to form and exercise intelligent opinions. My name is Evan Hayes, and across the table for me today are guests Rosemary Alden and Colton Williams. Hey, Evan. Today we'll be covering the Frederick Douglass High School mascot controversy and the new W.E.B. Du Bois Academy. If you'd like more information or have questions about today's broadcast, you can send us an email at revolutionaryradio01 at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter using our handle radradio1. All right, so what is this first topic, guys? Do you guys want to give us a, a quick background as to exactly what's going on uh, with Frederick Douglass Academy and, and, and what the real controversy is over the mascot choice? Yeah, sure. So, Frederick Douglass High School is a new school in Lexington, Kentucky. It is currently under construction and is scheduled to open fall of 2017. Because the school is brand new, a school mascot, colors, and jerseys had to be established. The stallion's idea was released on Monday, the 2nd of January, along with the team colors of Keeneland Green and Orange in hopes to pay respect to the rich horse culture of Kentucky and the farm that existed on this land prior to the high school. However, the term stallion for the horse mascot was short-lived. Following a change.org petition claiming it'd be sexist and appropriate for female athletes, the school administration issued a statement that the stallion's mascot would be dropped and the student body would be allowed to vote for their own horse mascot name. Um, yeah, so that's just an overview. Um, Non-gender affiliated names like thoroughbreds and racers have been mentioned as alternatives. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So I, I like how they made it student uh, vote. Yeah, maybe they should have done that in the first place. Yeah, probably <laughs> wouldn't have had this problem. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yep. uh, I'll, I'll ask... What are your guys, I, I guess, your opinions as students from, uh, I guess, West Jessamine? How, 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 do you, how do you view things like this, having a, a school that has a mascot like yours? Okay, well, um, me and Colton go to West Jessamine High School, and our mascot is a male cult. And we actually took interviews from some female athletes and got their opinions on it. And like I've noticed just going there that like it doesn't get used as much like very often at all. Um, we can go into that like later on. We have like a whole thing about that. When you say it's not used, you mean the the team's name? Yeah, like the girls' teams just don't go by it. Um, yeah, like I played soccer for three years, and our coach would just do go out of his way to avoid using it. Like we were the West Jess Express one year. We were Land Sharks. We were. Like, the Wolf Pack was, like, the past year. It was, like, this year. The other we won the state championship, and we didn't even go by our mascot, so. <laughs> mm, you know, that's interesting. I wonder I wonder if there's a categorized effect on school climate, because, I mean, I know that at Henry Clay, we basically chant that we're devils every morning, and it's kind of odd, but I... I you I should know. be the senators. <laughs> Honestly, we used to be the... I think we used to be the Henry Clay diplomats. Even and, better. It, it didn't really make for a good mascot. It was just a guy with a top hat. <laughs> that was that was way long ago. But um, again, I, I do wonder if that have you do you think that that sort of drives um, female athletics away from the conventional school scene? Do you think that people don't come and visit the games because is is there like a categorized effect? Um, I would say I feel like it makes cheering a little bit more awkward. For those who do go, and I feel like girls' athletics at West are not like as highly attended as guys' athletics for sure, especially with basketball, um, soccer. Girls probably get more attention just because we won a state championship. But like, it's kind of hard to scream like "Go Lady Colts" at a bunch of girls. Um, 
and just like the idea of putting lady in front of it anyway makes it more awkward to say it does um, it does kind of just <laughs> amplify the absurdity of the statement yeah i mean it's yeah. just a contradiction so yes. kind of just going off that to see why there might be some you know uh backlash to this certain name what exactly is the definition of a stallion and you know to some degree a cult and all the other yeah. gendered mascots we so have. a stallion is specifically a male horse kept for breeding um so that's obviously an exclusively male term and was like designed to describe like a male population um the population of frederick Douglass high school is obviously not only male and this is a co-ed public high school um and it would have like male teams female teams and co-ed teams that would have to go by this mascot um so it's like not necessarily like the best idea to have like a contradiction like that of something that is ex like specifically male because school mascots exist to give a school a common identity that they can rally behind and like pull everyone together as like a common force when they go to like compete or just like talk about their school or just like think about the community that they live in and like see every day for 35 hours a week <laughs> so sometimes not necessarily by choice <laughs> yeah yeah um so the issue that was like originally brought up with stallions that doesn't represent half the population of the school. Um, and since they're, represent, they're supposed to represent everyone, there was a push to change the mascot from stallions and make it something that was better. Um, there was also talk about the unjust nature of the name. In the original petition, the choice was called sexist. I mean, I personally could see this claim as accurate, as I could not find a public high school in the U.S. that had a female-specific mascot and male teams forced to have Sir or some other male identification in front of the mascot on their team's name. Like... Sir Mares or Sir Phillies or anything like that or to that nature at all. And if you can find that, it actually doesn't make us. sense. Yeah, because and I mean, you don't really think about that like lady cults. I've never thought about that, but it actually it just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, a lady. It's a logical statement. Well, yeah, it's a contradiction. It's, it is just a contradiction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, it negates the mascot entirely. Just, I know that's see, and that's that's kind of interesting because we found ourselves in sort of that that absurd situation where. We're, we're finally realizing that sometimes the choices of the administration does not accurately or do not accurately uh, represent the, the concerns and even the demographics of the students. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure when the administration picked stallions that they weren't like intentionally being malicious or trying to exclude female players. It's just probably something they'd never considered. Yeah. They probably never thought about the logistics of actually saying lady stallions or like even the girls' sports teams at all. It's probably like, oh, that's cool. Um, in a follow-up position to the petition that to change stallions. It, um, there was a claim that they picked stallions because there was a famous stallion buried on the property that the high school was going to be built on from the former farm, and they were trying to, like, honor his memory, um, which is kind of cool, but it's just they didn't really think through did, exactly did the stallion what have a name? I don't know. It wasn't defined in the source that I read it on. <laughs> I mean, they... That's who they should have named the high school after. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Man, that that would have caused some 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 real controversy, <laughs> as they say. Yes. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah but I mean, I, I feel like a memorial plaque would do the horse justice. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't have any problem with the horse name because you know it's Lexington, Kentucky. It's the horse capital of the world, and I don't think that the administration or whoever came up with this name necessarily meant it maliciously or you know oh, purposefully sure to to offend. And I don't really see a problem with changing it either. I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. I should have just kept it. 
why it doesn't really matter at all either yeah it doesn't I mean, represent half the population of the school there's like a legitimate reason to not use it it weakens the mascot and the unity of the community so and it hopefully shouldn't affect how the teams play yeah it, yeah <laughs> um but there like you said there are some people that are upset that the mascot was like discouraged and stallions was removed um so there was a second petition that was created to keep the stallion mascot and again it was on change.org ah, democracy yeah um, a counter petition yes they like i said earlier they claimed that the name was chosen because of the stallion that was buried on the property um and it specifically says that the petition targets the idea of a pc mentality and complains about society being too sensitive in the petition um it also makes reference to two other mascots in Lexington, the gen- Generals and the Commodores. Um, it states that the Stallions could be used if the girls' teams went by Lady Stallions, like the Take Street Commodores do. And it goes on to define Commodores as exclusively male, which as something, as I was reading this, it just bothered me a little bit because Commodores is a rank in the in the Navy, and um, females can attend, like attain that rank on their own, and they don't have to specif- specify that they're a woman or anything. It's just like a rank in the military for both genders. And um, there was actually a really famous female Commodore, Commodore Grace Hopper, who, in honor of her service, had a guided missile destroyer named after her, the USS Hopper. So the solution that was suggested of just having the stallions go by lady stallions like the lady commodores and how that's an exclusively male which is incorrect um it doesn't it doesn't fit in and it doesn't match up because commodores or generals is not something that's exclusively male so it doesn't really fit that precedent even though the second petition tries to make it it uh it kind of falls short in my opinion i know there's also some teams like uh the university of tennessee their basketball team is they're the Lady Vols, the Lady Volunteers. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a gendered mascot anyway. I mean, I guess you could say, you know, maybe way back when the Volunteers that they're named after were men, but it seems like a distinction that's put on it unnecessarily almost. And their yeah. women's basketball team is better than their men's basketball team. Yeah. I think in some cases where schools, like women's teams, get to claim that they want to be called the Lady Whatever, and that's like a team claiming their own gender identity and wanting to do that for like empowerment. Being in a position where you are forced to because your mascot is placing a gender on you that is not your own is an entirely different situation. It's not something where the athletes get any sort of choice in the matter. And that's where I think... that it's unfair and that's when I think that something needs to be considered and changed so that it's more of a choice for empowerment to put a lady in front of your mascot if you want to um, but you don't necessarily have to Um, and I I think that that's that's something really interesting that she said you know it's it's not necessarily a a gender specific position the Commodore and so I, I feel like if they make the female teams use the the word lady commodores then shouldn't they make the male teams use the term male commodores or like sir commodores but they don't (laughs) could you imagine the the new high school calling them the male colts i mean that's that just seemed redundant (laughs) or like sir males or sir phillies i tried so hard to find a public high school in the united states that a female mascot that made the boys teams go by sir whatever the female mascot was and i couldn't find one the gentleman phillies yeah yeah it was really funny Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this back to get on topic, the second petition did generate a significant amount of support. It had 2,000 signatures, which compares 
to the 200 the original petition had, which is a huge difference. And um, I did I do think that the original petition was taken down because I couldn't find the original one on change.org. So the comparison may not necessarily be fair, um, but it's just kind of indicative of how like he did this issue got so fast and how it turned into a war against like political correctness and not necessarily people paying attention to like the actual issue of like the mascot not being as good as it could be. Um, yeah. So let's go into more about West Jasmine, as Evan mentioned earlier. Um, we have specifically a male mascot, and I took the liberty of interviewing some of the star female athletes at my high school. Um, one of them was on the soccer team. She's a state champion. I didn't play this past year, but she did. Her name's Anna Lee, and she also plays on the varsity basketball team. Um, and she said, for soccer, we are always changing our mascot every year. We have been the Land, Shark Land Sharks one year, Wolfpack this year. It really changes all the time. We were the trains one year even. And I think it definitely fits in with the problem of the lady colts because colts are a male baby horse. So, I mean, we change it because we're not males. We are the girl soccer team. We switch it up. Land sharks, a shark can be male and female. It runs back to the same problem. For the basketball team, we have to be considered the lady colts because otherwise we couldn't differentiate between the girls and the guys basketball teams. And it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. And we don't really have a say in being a lady colt. We're just the girls basketball team and the Colts are a male horse so we don't really have a choice and the guys it fits in perfectly because they're boys and I think her statement about this kind of highlights specifically what the original petition was trying to about how this could be inherently sexist as the girls have to deal with this issue and the guys don't and I think it's sexist not in the nature that it's malicious or intentionally trying to do anything it's just something that's just unfair and systemic and something that is more a call for change and less like an attack on the school administration, which is something I think got lost in the water. See, I definitely see why they why you'd want the mascot changed even at West, because I, I don't think it's a big deal <laughs> to change it, because I don't think the mascot's necessarily all that important, something that people need to be fighting over. But most of the time, and I'll ask you this question because you played sports too, is it something you think about often, or is it more that something you got used to it was certainly something that we got used to like i remember when i first moved to jesmond county and i heard about it i had a good laugh and i was like that's kind of dumb um but then the I lady used, cults yeah, yeah i did i because i came here from lexington i went to veterans park elementary school um and uh yeah so i moved here from middle school and then went up and but back onto this when you're in a program and you have a mascot, you get used to it. You care more about when your practices are and what your coach said and whether or not you're starting and that type of thing you do about the mascot. So it's something that's just, like, rooted in there and often it's just forgotten. Like, Megan Voorhees, she, I interviewed her as well, and she's, like, a pool vaulter and a long jumper, and she says that her coach kind of avoids the thought of the Lady Colts or dividing the team by gender, that they're just the West Jesmond team. So they just entirely drop it as much as they can. So you almost like forget entirely what is like what you even are like as a team, you're just West. And honestly, if you're ever from, I've gone to games and if I was to cheer for my team, I don't yell Colts, I yell West. That's just what you do. So. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I, even if I, I don't, I almost always thought that the, the name of the team was sort of coach's discretion. <laughs> I mean, I, it's like Colton said, I don't think this is really something that 
should be that big of a deal. I mean, so long as there's not, I guess, at least three or four overlapping mascots per district, then I don't think it'll be a problem. And I think it's a great idea to just, like Frederick Douglass High School ended up doing, letting the students decide. Yeah, You'd have sure. more fun nicknames, too. <laughs> be much better mascots. That's absolutely true. That said, I feel like they'd have to do like a runoff vote to make sure that no yeah. one puts in anything. The Harambe's. <laughs> okay, well, the school administration didn't just leave it up to any other animal. They it they has to be like a horse themed yeah. pick. That's why thoroughbreds or racers or like top up there and what it could be because thoroughbreds. The horses. Is, yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we're Kentucky and thoroughbreds are really big here, so that's like something that's more native to Kentucky than stallions. So honestly. That's a better suggestion just for the equestrian culture of Kentucky anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, I think letting the students decide is definitely something we can take from this, you know, from the uh, student voice team from Revolutionary Radio that we're doing here, that the importance of student voice, and I'd like to know how many students were originally on that petition that, or potential oh, students. Oh, yeah, that'd be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I know it started by a woman named Diane Cahill, but I don't know if she was like had a daughter that's going to go there, if she was just really passionate about it. Um, that's really, that'd be really inter- interesting. You know, I wonder if there's even any actual collaboration so far between the people who are making the new school happen and, and any of the students that will be attending. Because I know that some of the students that are being pulled from Henry Clay are going to uh, the new high school, yeah. or at least... I guess. I thought it was runoff from Bryan Station and Takes Creek. No, because Henry Clay is Henry Clay's giving because uh, we're like twice as popular yeah. as we need to be. The purpose is yeah. to decrease Henry Clay. It's no seriously. Like I, I'm pretty sure we had to read. We were. Where did I do this? In, in any case, I was reading one of the actual funding statutes that was going towards the new school and it was basically talking about how it's they needed to depopulate our school because it's you devils <laughs> well i mean seriously i think it's like a an earthquake hazard half the school's <laughs> underground and most of the time there's like at least 900 people wandering around just in a cavern at any time during the day <laughs> and that's definitely something we should talk about on a future episode is the redistricting <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because even in Jasmine County, uh, overpopulation is an issue. Like, in my lunch, there are kids who sit on the floor in the hallway outside the cafeteria because there's no seats. And I don't, I don't just, go to the cafeteria anymore. That, the JCTC parking lot, we could talk about that. <laughs> it's very specific to Jasmine County, but still. Yeah. Shout out to all you Jasmine County <laughs> listeners. But, uh, yeah, back, back, back to topic. <laughs> yeah. In any case, I do think that the, the idea of student voice integrating into this is very cool. And, I mean... Just a question: Has there has there ever been any kind of, I guess, movement to do so at to change the mascot? No, I don't think so at all. Um, not that I know of. Because okay, so the story of how West Jasmine got to be called the Colts. Colts was the mascot of the original Jasmine County Schools back in the 1990s, and they split after the 1995 school year, and West Jasmine kept the Colts name, and East Jasmine got East Jasmine Jaguars. So Colts has literally been around for like 20 years, like more than 20 years, and um, it's been there forever, and it's something that's like historic to the building. It's like painted, there's like Colts everywhere painted all over the wall, even though we don't say it. Um, it's something that's like almost just assumed about West when you go there, like they're the Colts, it's known, but they don't go by it, if that makes any sense, because they've literally been that name for so long. Is there so, any- oh. so you were saying, do you say like uh, opposing teams would even know that? I mean, 
I don't know if they would know the Colts. I mean, there's horses painted everywhere, so I'm sure yeah. they see it on the way in. I think it would depend on how far away they're coming from. Because I know East obviously is going to know they're the Colts. And then teams that they have more like heated competition with, like Mercer, would know. I'm interested, though. Is there any, like, um, within the specific female teams, it seems like the soccer team's the one most adamant about not using it. Oh, yeah. Coach Wright every year. He's He's... He's got a lot of awards for being a good coach, and he he avoids using the mascots as much as possible. Like I don't have a single soccer T-shirt for my three years I played with the with a horse on it. Like I have one that has a tiger and a train and and a soccer ball, but no. So do you horse. think that's something other teams notice that we don't use oh, our sure. mascot? Of course, because like our the girls' soccer team this year literally won state and there were a lot of like newspaper articles and stuff that talked about them as the wolf pack and they asked them specific questions about that because wolves are obviously not our mascot but that's how they define themselves and i'm sure the players on that team look at themselves and that name with more sentiment than the colts just because that's the name that they, they won when they won the state championship yeah yeah i have to ask is is there a reason why west got colts i mean how did they decide they stayed in the original building yeah. Uh, the Jesmond County Schools building became West Jesmond, so they got to keep the mascot. So it wasn't a function of student voice. Ah. No. no. It's a shame. I mean, it would be a function of student voice if they wanted to change the mascot, but I don't think there's a lot of will at this point to change it. It's something that we've accepted as dumb and moved on with our lives at West. Um, so if we wanted to do that, which could probably be possible, it's just not something that a lot of students have a huge initiative to do, which is kind of sad in my opinion, but that's just kind of the truth of the nature. I suppose so. And uh, with that, I think that we're going to cut for a short public service announcement. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in. And welcome back to Revolutionary Radio. My name is Colton Williams, sharing the table today with Evan Hayes and Rosemary Alden. And we'll now be moving on to our second topic, Evan. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the WED... W.E.B. Du Bois Academy. Um, so, really, we're going to be talking today mostly about the implications of establishing schools that are aimed towards educating students of color. And th the reason for this is because the, f the founder of Carter G. Woodson Academy is managing the establishment of basically a similar academy to W.E.B. Du Bois in Jefferson County. And that school will be aimed at educating uh, males of African-American descent. Woodson Academy, founded in 2012 in Fayette County, is considered a college preparatory program and has been and has an enrollment of about 200 males between the 6th and 12th grade, according to the district website. The school is open to all males of any race, but the program is specifically shaped after black males working a private educational enrichment program for young black males. The new school proposed the W.E.B. Du Bois Academy will be modeled after Woodson Academy and use an Af Afrocentric curriculum that meets common core standards through the lens of African American history, culture, and culturally responsive teaching and learning strategies. Being referred to as the next evolution in Jefferson County Public School System, the school will be expected to open by the end of the 2018-2019 school year. Now, while the newly proposed school is aimed towards black males, the district's chief equity officer, John Marshall, has stated that any of the district's males could submit an application to get in. Marshall has also made it clear that the school cannot have high concentrations of poverty or be considered an alternative school for behavioral issues. The school will start with about 150 sixth grade males with hopes of expanding and adding more grades as the school develops. Now, I'm interested to know what do you all think, I guess, as a whole, about the concept of 
a, a school that's geared to viewing I, both uh, Common Core history and all of the other Common Core subjects through a specific historical lens. And, and not necessarily specifically African American. <laughs> Sorry to, inter to interrupt, but really any specific uh, actual, uh, I guess, method of interpreting history. I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing. I think it's pretty useful to look at history through different, several different views, several different lens. But I don't know if that's necessarily for the public school system to do. I think they should just be there really to to give you the as unbiased as they can which it is anyway but i think it, i think it's a a good thing and i think that school could do good things with the specific curriculum viewed through a certain lens but i don't know if it's necessarily um executed in the right way mm -hmm. yeah i mean if you look at the experience that i've had at a school with i took a, a push and um a lot of history is like compacted so like this school would have like um, a new opportunity to talk about um, things that have happened in history from a very specific viewpoint that is often overlooked in traditional public high schools. And I think that could be kind of like beneficial to a lot of people that go there. And I think it could help in terms when they interact with other students. Um, I think it's kind of an interesting idea. I don't know if it's something that I would want to pick for myself, but I could see yeah. a lot of students who get left out. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, and the thing that we have to acknowledge is that we're all white and yeah, from European true. descent, and history is told from our point of view already. So yeah, yeah. So I, I am interested to know what their level of interaction will be with other Jessamine or uh, <laughs> yes, Jefferson Jessamine. County public schools, because I. I I think that this is very interesting in that for the first time, I think in a while, we are embracing the sort of private school technique of having sort of individualized sets of, of curricula for, for schools within the public education system. And it, it sort of reminds me of charter schools in a way, and I think that it could have that benefit of maybe creating schools that have to be sharper with their curriculum regardless of whether or not it's viewed from a specific lens and i think that the way to do that would be to make sure that these students are integrated fully into the jefferson county public schools community and make make sure that they interact with other public high schools and that they're not just sort of isolated because that's the case and none of the benefits will be had from this i yeah, mean the goal is to make it a, a more diverse place correct <laughs> yeah if you look at what we said earlier and how they would start off with like sixth grade males and have the hopes of expanding and adding more grades. I wonder if this would be like a one year process for them. Like after sixth grade, they'll go back to like a normal school because it doesn't, it says that they're trying to like add in more grades. So that's something that I'm kind of like confused about and see, I'm curious of how that will. Like, I think develop. they're probably going to try to stagger it and then eventually create a, a graduating class. So each year they would probably take in more is what I would assume. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think that's And they the just case. expand along with it. Yeah, I think that's the case. Now, now, JCPS has a, some, a, a lot of low-income and minority students who continue to lag behind their peers across multiple content areas and grade levels. Now, Marshall com uh, claims that this is not the case and says that an issue that could potentially arise in the development of schools such as Woodson and WB is that uh, they, they might inherit that sort of treatment in the sense that being geared specifically towards I guess people of color or any specific minority could have the unwanted, uh, I guess, burden of drawing from uh, areas of lower socioeconomic status, and I think that that's that's a risk that has to 
that has to happen, but I don't think that it's reason to consider the, the closing of this idea. Do you all agree? <laughs> yeah, I think the the new opportunity of like the style of teaching that would happen in this building could have like new uncharted effects on the students who go there. Like even if they come from like low income communities or families, if they're like given the opportunity to learn something a different way, maybe this kind of school will speak to them in a way that normal traditional high schools did not. Maybe they all see something in like a common heritage and feel more like interested in the education there or feel more valued. The school climate may be more like movable and like understandable for them and and I think that may be able to pull some students out of that community into something better. And I think that would kind of be the point is that these would be low income students going to the school so they could try to get themselves out of poverty and they'd have these opportunities where they'd be with other students like themselves but are getting a specific curriculum and a specific education that you know can empower them and they can do more with it yeah no, so i don't, don't think because if you, if you take that as the problem that there would be that low-income and minority students lag behind their peers well, and we're not going to do anything about it, then that doesn't help the problem. So I think this school is a step in trying to alleviate that problem, and whether it solves it all or not, we don't know, but I think it could definitely help. Yeah, and even if students go there and they're, I don't want to paint an entire like um, community as like low income or anything like that. So I think on its own, like without that aspect, this idea of education could be something that could be beneficial to students um, without that kind of experience. So, not to mention the fact that, like the current way of evaluating students in our education system is very competitive, and it's based on you know success. And the only way to get an A is if basically everyone else is getting a, a lower grade. And I think that it, it breaks people up into tiers. So the fact that we're creating almost more selective education in the sense that we'll be educating people on a basis of you know, what kind of culture do they come from? What do they already know? It's almost like administering a pretest before even enrollment. And I think that what that'll do is hopefully hone education and education strategies to, to fit better. Because even though the, the goal of education is to expose students to more diverse experiences, I think that by grouping people a little bit more closely at the beginning of their education, we can get them to cling to it a little bit better. Uh, I think that that's, that's probably something that can be considered a definite benefit of a program like this, and I'd say it's a reason for it to be established in other parts of this, uh, this commonwealth. So do you think this is something that will continue or will gain popularity? There'll be more of these schools, especially in urban areas like Lexington and Louisville? Well, in, in coming days, I'd say that that might be the case, but I'd say that the model will probably be one oriented towards charter schools, yep. given how the administration has changed because i think you also get into some tricky territory with these specific schools like you said any male could submit an application to get in but it's basically segregating it already because you know that what the aim is for mm -hmm. i guess that you know, the public school system that gets a little uh, mm -hmm. complicated but of course it's all legal but it seems like it could run you could run into some problems with that that's Could definitely have some the cultural truth. implications. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do wonder if there's there's already legislation in place for the charter schools. Uh, I, guess, I guess charter schools that could have limitations like this. I wonder what the actual legal framework is because I mean, obviously, this is run by the government, so it has a much easier time being legal. <laughs> but but if it's if it's run by a, a private organization, then the 
the, the amount of missteps increases exponentially. I think what you'd probably see is if it was a charter school or a public school is that they'd say anybody can apply, but this is who we want to apply. It's basically <laughs> what they're saying. They're just highly, highly, yeah. highly selective. Yeah. <laughs> they're looking for a specific type of person. You know, they said they're partnering with Black Males Working, a private educational enrichment program for young black males. Pretty obviously the goal there. And I don't think that's, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, and I think it's just how they would actually work that with charter schools or public schools and mm -hmm. sustain it. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if there could be schools that are run almost completely by uh, non-governmental educational organizations, because there are a lot of good educational nonprofits and organizations in the world that could probably start a bunch of very good schools. Though the question is also, you know, what tactics will other corporations result to in order to, to defeat that when, yes. when charter schools become in vogue, which they will. I can feel it. It's in the wind. <laughs> um, continuing, what, what we're going to try and figure out is, is, is it really likely that more schools like this could be planted across the state? And, and as we've been discussing charter schools like this, uh, uh, or charter schools in general, not like this specific example, we have to consider that uh, this could be a new motive for different districts to apply for innovation status, because this is done obviously by a school that, or a, a school district that has immense levels of funding. Jefferson County is, though, though there are a lot of there, there's a wide range of schools in Jefferson County, many with low income and, and a few that have very very. Uh, substantial income. I'd say that overall Jefferson County has a, a large resource pool to draw from when it allocates money for these different school projects. And other schools might not necessarily, or other districts might not necessarily have those resources. So if this, if this creates a sort of legislative precedent, maybe they could apply for it? I mean, I, I'm not sure. But it'll be these urban districts that are more diverse anyway that would need to establish these kind of schools. And I think it'd be hard for Jefferson County to get a district of innovation because we're Fayette County even because they're so big. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. That's the truth. I think something that's very interesting that could come out of this trend, if it if it does become very popular, I think it could change the meaning of how we look at diversity itself because of diversity is like you have a lot of different kinds of people and if we're trying to eliminate that side of diversity and having like minorities clumped together it can have it be a diversity school but then inside the population at that school it's going to be very much the same which is kind of an interesting way to look at like school climate and like how the meaning of that word could change going forward and how that could play into education and just our culture in general it could be very interesting just to see if there's any just like race lines or anything drawn to be about this and I think that's an uh, interesting segue to this quote by the Jefferson County Chief Equity Officer. He says, we can no longer shy away from the fact that the majority of students in JCPS look like this. Uh, he said, referring to the fact that minorities make up more than half of the children born in the United States. As a city, as a country, we have to discuss race. So do you think that creating schools that target certain races is the way to bring uh, awareness to this is issue of a growing minority nation? I think it's definitely one way to go about it because when you create a school like this, you can't ignore the fact that like appearance and is like playing effect in in the school and why they feel the need to have a school like this and it kind of pulls the issue around into front. That's a good point. I don't think we should have to have schools like this. I right. Wish I mean, we didn't. and it, it seems it is 
seems a little scary that we would want to naturally coagulate like this. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, when the students who apply to get into this school who are going to be these young black males mostly, and there was a significant Hispanic population too, are they, are they being pulled from these other schools? Would, would these have been the more higher achieving students in poorer schools who are now going to suffer even more for this? Or is this just going to be across the board, whoever can get in? So I think it, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily the best way to address it. I think there's more root issues that you need to address, especially regarding race and poverty before you can solve it with the, the building of a school that's mm-hmm. pretty much exclusively for one type of person. Yes, but going back to what you mentioned earlier about like the school climate and how this, what it would be like to, to grow and go into a school like this that goes back to a culture that is more familiar to a lot of students because that's their history that's like their color and as like a white person i obviously can't claim to understand what that is and um but i think what we referenced earlier about climate being really important in these schools and how that being really helpful for the for the specifically male students going there i think that is something that we'll just have to wait and see if that happens and something that's maybe worth taking a chance at just seeing if it if it pans out um yeah. i agree and I, I don't think it's a bad idea especially for one school um or a few something like this on a smaller scale but i think of course the climate would be better when pretty much everyone there is the same as you that's I, but i think that's also run to a problem of a you know a, a utopian problem well, everything's so good it's bad i like that a utopian problem <laughs> yeah i do agree though i mean the, the challenge of education is trying to bring diversity to to kids without causing a rift and 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 creating factions among that diversity. I think that that's something that schools today are, are sort of failing with in the sense that we see very poor school climate across the whole state. And to a certain extent, it's because we're meshing together uh, pop- various different populations, but in, in proportions that are creating, I, I guess, hazards to the purpose of education, which is for everyone to sort of learn about the world through each other. I think that schools like this are an interesting step I think that optimally it would be like classes that are geared towards, if if only there were more classes at high schools, if only African-American students could choose to take an optional, you know, Afrocentric history of Europe and the United States or history of the world and in order to fully understand their culture. And, and, and that was offered in a place where everyone else could take. It would be more beneficial s- for, you know, non-African-American students to take that class. Even. Yeah. It, yeah. It'd be, I'd, I'd take that class. It seemed, and that seems like something that bigger school districts like Jefferson County or Fayette County could do. The bigger schools could have uh, classes like that that enable. I think it would be harder in rural districts or, you know, small school districts that only have one school, limited resources to have, you know, all these electives that cover pretty much everything. But I think I don't think it's that unfeasible for the urban areas to do that. Now, I think one of the reasons that that's not more widespread now is that they may not have the staff, like the qualified staff that right. know this, that are, that are there, and um, they could be there just not being heard or there and just, like, not in Kentucky. Um, so I think this school is, like, specifically trying to pull that staff in to create an environment where that's possible. Because I know at West, we have, like, very few minority teachers at all. Um, so, like having like an ethnocentric curriculum, it'd be amazing for that to be taught by like 
um, an African-American or some minority person who would understand that and be able to put that forward in the best way possible. And that's just not something that I see at a, like schools that's very common. Um, and that could be one of the root causes for why this is being brought up and this is being a, um, a possible like solution for the problem. So our next question, do you think that uh, schools, well, we kind of just addressed this, are being like this are being addressed because of the lack of Afrocentric curriculum, or do you think other factors uh, such as the, so, is, or is the driving factor more the socioeconomic diversity that's we see more and uh, more often in minority and low income students that it's trying to give them a sort of a different option and a way out, so to speak? I mean, I'd say that the the ability to focus curriculum towards the students who are learning it is inver is in invaluable in in any educator's uh, repartee. But the, I think that the problem with with an institution that's geared entirely to the to the I guess cultivation of a, a of a common identity is the fact that unless that is very very well integrated into the entire community in which it exists first, then it could just create sort of an enclave where people feel almost, I guess, subjugated if they exit that community. And that's not the goal of this. The goal of this is to to prepare many and and diverse individuals to enter the world and create mutual benefit and sort of amplify the effect of learning about their culture rather than sort of becoming insulated in it. And I think that to a certain extent, it's almost as though the public school system now is failing because I think that in, in terms of student quality of education, I don't think many students make an effort to get out of their comfort zone and, and experience new cultures. And I think that that's part of a function of education to do, but I don't see it being done. I mean, that's that's... It's the sad truth, but I don't think that that's the route that our education system has taken. I mean, we can look at things like this as almost a sign of it. And I mean, it's a good idea. It's a good step, but it's definitely not one in the right direction. It's it's bringing us back from the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, it kind of seems like a buyout. Like, minority right. students are feeling so um, overlooked in, like, a regular public high school that's not specifically geared towards any racial group. Um, that they felt the need to, or administration felt the need to put them in a place where they could solely focus on them because they were being so overlooked in the public ed education system as it is. Like, they were just taking their chips and saying, we're going to fix whatever the problem is and just try and go straight at fixing the symptoms of being overlooked than actually tackling the fact that they are being overlooked in schools across Kentucky. I agree. I think there's, like both of you mentioned, it's a good thing. It's a good idea, but I don't know how much it'll actually help because I think there's root problems with poverty and race, especially in these urban areas that need to be addressed before you can really just say, oh, look, we built this school specifically with an Afrocentric curriculum and, and hope it uh, solves a significant amount of the problems that we see with those students and with uh poor students, uh, low-income students, minority students all across the state. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And I think that the, the final question that's posed is very interesting. If more schools similar to these two are founded, is there a possibility that they will become entirely race-exclusive and only allow for students of a specific race to enroll? Uh, 
I don't know. I, th I, I think that would be very interesting. I want to know if there's been an idea for like a, Hisp a Hispanic Young Men's Academy or a, a, an academy like, I'm not sure, geared towards the heritage of a specific area. I mean, how often do you learn about the history of your local area from your, your history teachers at school? I don't, I don't see that happening. I think that would take some significant... That would be going backwards, really. Um, because if you open a school that's, that's exclusively for Hispanic students, then you could, on that same... On the opposite side of the coin, you could op open a school exclusively for white students, and then that's a big problem. Yeah, and this kind of reminds mm -hmm. me a little bit of how colleges are set up. Like, you have, like, traditionally, like, understood, like, African-American colleges or, like, um, that are not, like, exclusive towards any like other race that wanted to go there but like Kentucky State has like a huge um black community there and I think that this whole trend of looking at like is just like taking that college atmosphere and bringing it back to high schools and I think that's kind of a, an interesting way to look at this um because as you go and you pick the school you go to for college you could pick one that has like um like any sort of specific like avenue or major or pathway or community within it that you liked best and this kind of brings that to the high school level because the students who are go there would choose to go there and choose to apply so it's almost taking that um understanding of race inside of education that is understood and well known in colleges and bringing it to high school which is a new and revolutionary idea within itself mm -hmm. with that i think that we have to uh cut off given that we're almost out of time. This episode of Revolutionary Radio was written by Rosemary Alden, Lauren Himenover, and edited by, edited by Colton Williams, which means that I'm actually the least <laughs> contributory member of this team right now. Uh, Colton and Rosemary, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks it for having us. fantastic. Uh, again, I'm Evan Hayes, and uh, you can find Revolutionary Radio on Twitter at radradio one to submit any ideas or comments about the show or email us at revolutionaryradio01 at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our show on Google Play or the iTunes Store or any other site where you get your uh, podcasts. Wherever you subscribe, please leave a review. It really does help other people find the show. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.